Hey friends, welcome back to another episode of A Tiny Revolution, a podcast about ordinary people living revolutionary lives. I'm Kevin, I'm your host, this is episode 137, and today I'm talking with one of my best fucking friends in the whole GD world, Rachel Louisa Jane Kurtz. Um, That's not her real middle name, she's just Rachel Kurtz. Um, And uh, if you um, listened to the live show that we had a few weeks back with Semler, aka Grace Baldridge, Rachel opened the show and literally fucking blew us all away. So please go back and listen to her sing. It's so wonderful. We probably just need to do a whole live show with Rachel just to like get her out there and get her into more people. We have both said this. I was like, I am so shocked that Rachel is not famous to be honest. She's so good at what she does. Anyways, about her, she's a Minneapolis-based singer-songwriter and is poised for a breakthrough. Um, Honestly, uh, she she released her newest album, Love, Rachel Kurtz, a remarkable, incredible, magnetic album that mirrors her own presence on stage. Um, It's a 13-song collection of original soul, Americana, and blues tracked, backed by some of Minneapolis's finest session musicians. Following an, unventional, following an unconventional career path, Rachel has found acclaim and national audience due to her th- of thousands due to her appearances on a series of community service events held in sports arenas across the country. She raises awareness for world hunger, hurricane relief, multicultural reconciliation, and she's a powerhouse voice, a heartfelt performer, and electrifies, electrifies crowds with her music. In this conversation, Rachel and I talk about something that she discovered not till later in life, which was actually something very recent, that she's queer. And she didn't figure this out until much later life after being married for a long time, having three kids and being just like adjacent to the queer community for so long and loving queer folks so well. She really is like the queer mama of all of our dreams. She's so amazing and so wonderful. And I cannot wait for you to get to know her and listen to her music because it's that good. So please, Get yourself something to drink. Um, and if you don't mind, go ahead and share this with a friend already because you know you're going to want to. Um, yeah, enjoy this conversation with my girl, my sister, my friend, Rachel Kurtz. You guys, you know me. I'm like, I can't communicate well. I mm. am binding the most dope quilts I've ever made, though. That is so beautiful. I know, right? I love it. It's almost 2,000 pieces. So I just Jesus. So this on. I know. I'm telling you, it's the most it's the most incredible quilt probably that I've ever made. Is it a gift for someone? A commission? Yeah. For my best friend. Not a commission. A you gift. just love making quilts. Yes. How did you get into making quilts? I don't want to talk about that for too long, but I do want to know. No, I um I grew up with quilters. My grandma was a quilter. My other grandma did other, like she made quilts too, probably, but she did like rag rugs and we're just a family of makers and my mom used to quilt. And so the sound of a sewing machine in the middle of winter is like a very distinct sound. Mm. So I was at a Bible camp and I would be the hostess for the quilting groups that came in and it's just art. That's lovely. And it's like, like my favorite thing about making art is when you make functional art. Like Mm -hmm. I love art that's for the walls and stuff. Love it to death. Support but fashion for you. Fashion and clothings and uh, yeah. uh, warm things. Yeah, but even in ceramics or functional art, like there's just so many things that you can like still use. Mm-hmm. In life. 
wood carving a spoon, perhaps. <laughs> That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go get, um, I'm gonna, I want to get into whittling. <laughs> I want to get into furniture making. I made dope. a headboard one time that was stunning, and I made a coffee table one time. Casual. Sort of amazing. I don't know, Bob. <laughs> I don't know. Hi, Rachel. I'm glad that you're That's here today. <laughs> I'm glad this finally worked out. I know, totally. So, to for the humans who don't know who you are, which if they don't, it's dummies. Um, um, I expect the majority of people never know who I am. Doesn't yeah. matter. Um, but what do you what do you do? What's your deal, Rachel Kurtz? Um, What's your thing? I, How do you introduce yourself? Oh, right. Well, it all depends on who I'm introducing myself to. If we're at a cool. We're at a cool party and there's cool people and they're not going to look at you weird for saying anything. Cute. Well, I'm a, I, I'm a queer single mom of three. Hey. And I'm a singer. And so, and I have been for my like 20 years mm. and it's crazy. And so I sing and I speak and I'm a songwriter and uh, yeah, that's what I've done for a living for a very long time. And I sing for the church. So I do a range of music from, um, so sorry. Those are my kids yelling in the background. Totally fine. Listen, people know that this podcast is like famous for the lack of quality and production value. <laughs> I kept telling my kids they have to be quiet and they just refuse to care. You know, and, kids are going to kid. Well, right. Yep. That's very generous of you. Yeah. I just don't I'm care really anymore. Excited. They're going to start. Um, bringing grades back to school starting in a week from now. And so I've been, I've been doing schooling in my house since March ooh, ooh, ooh. and as a single parent and no. the only person that teaches my kids, it is just going to be wild to slowly get them to go back. So all the teachers have gotten vaccinated. Amazing. Get vaccinated. Yes. And, oh, Hey Henry. I asked you kindly. Thank you. You're what? My phone. No, I shh, go. I love you. Listen, um, parenting, man. Oh, it's so real. So yeah, I shouldn't be my kid's teacher. That's abundantly clear. Mm -hmm. I, I shouldn't. It's not my gift. It's, not your gifting, not your calling, not your uh, no. forte. Correct. And so it's, it's sad because my ex-husband actually would be a great, he would be a phenomenal teacher to my kids, but. He does mm. not have to take that kind of time with them. So unfortunate, but I, they'll get to go back to school. So I'm excited. Anyway, so I'm a singer. I've sung for the Lutheran church primarily, but I'll sing for literally anyone that will give me money. Mm -hmm. I'm people slut that way. <laughs> Yo, same here. Like if you're going to give me money, it's very like, unless you are like literally the worst kind of people. Yes. But also just like the people who are going to hire me and give me money are not, not so. Exactly. The worst kind of people will never hire me. Correct. So I did work at a church once, though, and I was going to do this big gay Lutheran gathering. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't think about it because I was very part time at this church, like 10 hours a week. And in 2012, the Lutheran, the ELCA in particular, they um, voted to, to make it OK for gay pastors to be pastors and bishops and whatever. And this church I worked at was part of the core group that actually broke off from the church. And so when they found out I was doing this big Reconciling in Christ, I can't remember what they were called back then. I think it was called Reconciling in Christ, if I remember correctly. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean You're to totally fine. Again, like it happened. I just, it's, you're good. 
Okay, great. I don't know who that was. Okay, great. But fuck them. <laughs> right? So yeah, so they were like, oh my gosh, Rachel, you're going to do this this Lutheran event. This We can't have an employee of ours like as a worship leader at an event. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm so sorry. It's I'm my totally mother. Hey, mom. Hello? Hey, sweetie. I'm, they're upstairs. He's looking for his phone right now. I'm actually in the middle of recording a podcast. So I need to go. It's okay. No, I love you. And I'll, and I just, it might be a minute. Can I just have him call you in like an hour? All right. I'm sorry. I love you. All right. Bye. I'm telling you. Mercury is doing shit to all of us, man. (laughs) Oh, it has been a time. Okay, so you just cut that stuff out because it's so I will. Okay, great. Start you want to start at the top of your gay Lutheran story and how you pay anyone? Or so you'll not pay anyone. (laughs) Musical select. Got it, got it. Okay, here. (laughs) Anyway, so I was gonna sing for this big gay Lutheran event. And I have a friend who's a rapper and we, anyway, that that's later in the story, but we performed at it together and separately. And it was just incredible, but I was 10 hours a week at this Lutheran church way out in the, the sticks. Mm-hmm. And I was like helping with their youth a little bit and helping do some music stuff. And it was great. It was just like God's way of providing for me along this path of being a full-time musician for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And they found out that I was doing this, this big event and it, I, I think it was a reconciling in Christ event, but I feel like like th- th- wasn't there another oh Lutherans concerned, is what they mm. used to be called. And oh, now interesting. Anywho, so they found out I was going to lead worship at this, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, we can't be connected to this." Because in 2012, mm-hmm. the ELCA voted to allow gay and lesbian pa- like LBGTQ pastors and um, bishops and all of that, and so this church I was at was very conservative and mm-hmm. they were part of the movement that broke off of the, the Missouri synod. It's not the Missouri synod. It's it, there, there was like a, it's called core. And I can't remember what it even means, but they were like the ELCA Lutherans that were like, we believe in the theology, except for this thing mm-hmm. that we can't get behind. Yeah. Women, dope, equity of gender, dope, queer and trans folks. Sorry. Yes, Exactly. So anyway, they were like, we can't have our name attached to this big gay Lutheran event. And I was like, well, I'm not going to not do it. Like, I'm here 10 hours a week. And it's fine with me that you have a different theological system than I do because of the minimal hours I work at this church. Mm-hmm. But I'm not going to do it. And then I have another friend who's a musician that was like, oh, I hope they fire you. Because they're like, we're, we're damned if we do and damned if we don't. Mm-hmm. We can't fire you. Because then it will seem like we're firing you for this very thing that we'd be firing you for. <laughs> you might get in huge trouble if if they if anyone finds out that you're part of our church and part of this event. And I was like, well, do, you go ahead and do whatever you need to do. And my friend George Baum of this band called Lost and Found was like, I hope they Wait, 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 wait. Lost and Found? The same band who had the album called This and something? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, you're friends with them? 
Yes. I was so hype on them when I was in middle school and high school. No shit. Yes. I went to Ichthus. I sought them out. I have their album covers. Yes. Slide girl I'm forever. Different. Yes. For life. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know I loved you this much. And now yes, I know that no, I do. They used to bring me on their Christmas tour. They're all part of how I got to the spot I'm at. Like I'm telling That's you. fucking insane. Listen, if you know who Lost and Found is, you are a deep cut. That's, yes. a, that's such a deep cut. Sure person right wow anyways this- so george said to me please get fired because you will get so many jobs all you'll have to do is get in front of this group of people and say i was fired because i wanted to worship with you and he's like you will get so many gigs mm-hmm. and i was like well they didn't fire me but eventually they cut my hours enough that i you know we decided to walk away right 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 right. we only but need you for like 30 minutes a week right exactly <laughs> I couldn't drive an hour one way for less than 10 hours a week, but it was anyway, it just was a very, very fascinating experience. And my friend Dave and I were at this event together. um, And he said, admittedly, I have never been at a event where I thought more about who was having sex with who. Hmm. And we've both just been very, 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 I mean, Dave is extraordinarily open and loving to queer folks and, Mm -hmm. He's just very in touch with his whole entire self and he's great. But like, it was just this thing where I was like, oh crap, you're right. Like I, I didn't mean to. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't know that's what my brain was wired to do, but here I am recognizing that's what my brain is doing. Totally. And then my friend Ross Murray and I had a conversation because I was like, these worship services are extraordinary. Like they're so full of the spirit. Mm -hmm. It's so powerful. And he goes, yeah. If you had everybody telling you that you couldn't possibly love God because of who you are, mm-hmm. you would also take your worship very seriously. Oh, come on. Right? Yes. And I was like, right. If I had a whole group of people saying I was going to hell and I couldn't possibly love God because of who I actually was. Yeah. I'd be like, oh, but I do love God. And I was just like, like let me show you. Right. Let me let me show you. How and that's re- that is the true tea. Like that was like a worship service was the thing that changed my mind that allowed me to finally be okay with being queer. Right. It's a powerful thing. It is. Like the actual connection with the actual creator of the universe who created you and loves you. Extraordinary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what a concept. Who knew? And you did yeah. that in the Lutheran church. Yeah. So huh. I grew up Assembly of God. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I just am delighted by, I've always had queer friends, like always and forever, whether we all knew it or not. Like mm-hmm. I had so many crushes on gay men that like came out after high school and like, classic. Welcome to my whole life. But in so I, and I was married to a man and had three kids and I was just trying to serve the Lord and mm-hmm. literally in my 40s, like have figured out how very queer I am and I had <laughs> no idea. But I have all these queer friends like you and my friend Maya and Tambir, mm. like all these queer friends that are like, just sort of holding my hand and going, you get that like making out with a woman as a female body person is pretty queer. Yeah. If you and think like, well, if yeah. you think about it a little bit, it's like kind of <laughs> gay, you know? <laughs> and it's not like I didn't know that and it's not like I didn't realize I was on the queer spectrum, mm-hmm. but like, I didn't even, 
I didn't even want to say I was queer because I like, and you and I have had this conversation because I just feel mm-hmm. like I have such respect for queer people. And so many of my queer and gay friends, like it was such a journey of self-hatred and trying to deny who they were and like trying to come back to God. And mm-hmm. like, none of that was my experience. Right. So I'm like, oh, I can't really call myself queer because I sometimes want to make out with women. And then I mm-hmm. realized, oh, no, no, no. Like, just because I don't feel gay enough doesn't make me not gay. Hello. Like, right. There you go. And so it's just very, very interesting to have this story. And like, mm-hmm. do you, like, and so I was in my very first queer relationship and we were together for a year and it was magnificent and wonderful. Mm-hmm bad and circumstances made it so that we can't be together right now but Mm -hmm. it's just been this unbelievable delight Mm -hmm. for someone who really feels authentically themselves and i have my whole life felt myself Mm -hmm. and didn't feel like i was denying anything or hiding anything but to like get to explore a new entire part of myself and experience my Mm -hmm. whole body in a different way yeah and with someone who has had a smaller body than mine so even that, like just all of the facets of that hmm. has been glorious and exciting. Right. And so life is long, even though life is so short. Like I just thought I was pretty good at knowing myself and it's just been. Turns out you are a universe in there. Didn't know. And that's what I love about like, I guess like this, the era that we're in is that, um, and what's going to be so lovely about, like, first of all, thank you for wanting to come on here and wanting to share this part of yourself with people. Because there are so many folks who are, like, deconstructing their faith and, like, journeying along who are in the same shoes as you. Who are like, oh, I didn't even know it was an option for me. Or right. just like, it's just like, I could not entertain even the possibility of me being queer and now i'm at the point where like i have friends of mine it's like oh yeah we were married for two years and now like we're still married but let's like we're also dating other people and i'm like interesting there's so many like beautiful explorations and i'm like wow family is like kind of expanding what that what that means so what was the thing that like finally like hinted to you that like maybe i am not who i thought i was this whole time like beyond just like liking to kiss girls sometimes. What was like the. Right, right, right. Well, there's a couple things. Number one, I still love men. Mm. Same girl, same. Despite right. my better judgment. And it was very interesting too, because my mom is very disappointed by the whole thing because she's very <laughs> faithful to God and <laughs> thinks that it's really, really bad. And so I keep going, you should read these books about racism because you have black grandchildren. And she's like, you should read this book from the Exodus Ministries. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I gotta say as far, if that was her actual timing, then like she is a comic, a comic genius. Homophobic well, as fuck, but like a comic no, genius. It's like the truthest of all truth. And I'm like, no. This is just, no. Anyway, so that's a whole other discussion. So anyway, but she was asking me one day when I was still with my darling, she was like, if if a man came into your life and he was like, treated you like a queen and was wonderful and caring and wanted to help you raise your kids and blah, 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 would you be with him? And I was like, 
if I wasn't dating someone right now, because I don't actually like date more than one, I am very monogamous. Mm -hmm. You are the most monogamous queen (laughs) I have ever met. And I love that. And I I really, I like understand that whole. Yeah. But for me, it's not, that's not. And I think that's something that like I enjoy and I'm really happy that you get and understand too, because I had one friend one time when I was starting to talk about this, who uh, just said some hurtful things to me. Just like, I don't know if it's healthy. I'm just like, you can't say, I don't know if it's healthy as like a thing, healthy for you. Right. Healthy in your lifestyle. Because like, I know plenty of people who are, (laughs) I know plenty of people who identify and like practice non-monogamy who should be monogamous. They would be so much happier if they would. Because it's just like, you can't like, it's fine that you like, it takes a lot of emotional bandwidth. And also you gotta, gotta be real, real about your desire. Yeah. That's, a, that's just a whole, yeah. whole other thing, but I, whole other I podcast it as, a, as a concept. Yeah. But your, your mom and yeah, yeah. Uh, she was like, if you found the magical person, would you do it? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yes. Sounds great. Mm-hmm. And then I realized one day if I did what my mom had wanted me to do and my sister, mm-hmm. My older, well, anyway, um, if I want, if I did what my mom wanted to do, I would be waiting and waiting and waiting for the perfect gentleman to come into my life. Mm-hmm. And somehow God was going to miraculously provide this perfect person. Yeah. He's out there. Crack of shit. Right. Yeah. God's design yeah. for you is out there, Raquel. Well, no. And that's what I did when I got married. I mean, I fasted and prayed. I waited to have sex till I got married. I was oh. 30 years old. And then got on my honeymoon and went, why are you drinking so much? I found out I like unwittingly married an alcoholic that had been hiding his drinking. Damn. And then, you know, I just thought, oh, God will be faithful because I was faithful to God and didn't do A, B, and C, and D. Mm -hmm. And then I just had this very, very disappointing, you know, I mean, Mm -hmm. I was just like, I waited all these years. And anyway, that's a whole story. So, so. As I went on in life, I, you know, like I said, have queer friends and, and they sort of guided me into my own queerness and, and looking at it and going, you get that this is like a, and, and there's stories that I can't really tell on here that, that sort of mm-hmm. got me to the <laughs> understanding. Listen, that'll be on the after dark podcast that you make once your kids are out of high school. <laughs> they know too many stories because whether they are <laughs> acting like they're on our iPads or not, like. They're listening. You're too many things, right? I mean, I, yeah, that's why I can never have children. I'm glad that I have my dog because, and that she can only speak a few words in English. Otherwise, she would tell everybody my shit. <laughs> you just, yeah, it's yeah, it's all good. If you choose to have kids, it'll be fine. If I have kids, it's going to be with the right person who has the, the the bandwidth, space, and ability to teach me how to do it a little better than I think I would. You'd be shocked. And how many of your instincts will kick in. Hmm. And I think too, for, for, uh, for, if I can just say it like this and say it, say it in particular for people that were born male, Mm -hmm. you guys are not taught. Men are not typically taught how to care for little kids. It's often. That's very true. That like babysit and whatever. From from very young ages, little girls are taught how to take care of. Even the little babies. And our instincts are a little different, typically for some people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what I found with men that are adults that I, I have associated with 
is that they are deeply uncomfortable holding babies and caring for babies and all of that stuff until they have their own baby. And even then there's a learning curve for anyone that has children because mm-hmm. you're like, holy shit, there's a whole person that I need to take care of. A little blob of person in front of and me. They, yeah. And, and so it's a learning curve for everybody, but I have seen my male friends that are dads learn how to figure it out. Mm. And there is an instinct to care and protect for these little humans that they would never have for anyone else's babies. Mm. Uh, and, and then some of that ships for them and they can care for other people's kids differently after they've had their own. But there is something about your own kid and your own responsibility that just grows this thing up in you that you didn't. Everyone yeah. has to go through it. Yeah, it sounds exhausting and I don't want to do that. That it's makes me want to. As hell. It is the most relentless thing I've ever done, especially as a single parent. And I had no idea because mm. I used to tour with all my babies. I used to bring them on the road. I never asked Damn. them. I'd be like, I'm, I'm bringing my baby. Well, I was nursing them. Like, I'm not going to leave them home with mm. my ex-husband. Well, I mean, my husband at the time, who is not go- as good with babies as I am. That mm-hmm. my babies all needed me. And so I just bring them on the road and I would just, I would have people that I met and then have good instincts about. And I'd be like, just hold this baby in the room while I'm doing this hour concert. And so I could see the kid the whole time. Mm-hmm. There's never any reason to take them out of the room. I'd make sure they were fed and changed before I started singing. And then I would do the thing. And, and I had no idea how deeply, deeply exhausted I was, but yeah. Anyway, it's, it is the most relentless job I've ever had. Mm. Yeah, you really you're really selling it for me, Kurtz. You're really making me want to be a dad here. I'm just saying, but there's I mean, like, and any parent knows that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Life simpler without other human beings to raise. I will I mean, I love being an uncle though. That has been a joy for me. It's totally great. And and you can be like you can kick all of the uncle butt in the mm-hmm. whole world and and show up in ways that other people can't. Yeah. And there's ways that I'm like, man, how would my life look if I hadn't? Mm-hmm. But I had such a deep longing for it. I just don't think people that don't have a deep longing for it probably shouldn't do it. it yeah, there was um, there was an interview I, I heard. At it, I'm not like the best mom in the world. I'm pretty great at it sometimes, but there are ways that I am real like royally fucking up. You know, <laughs> but at least you know self the the. I will say this: every parent is going to fuck up. But what's going to be the hallmark is later in life when our kids like. Or whoever comes back and says, hey, did you know that you kind of fucked me up back then? And you're like, yeah, I'm really sorry. That's the hallmark of healing there. Because like every parent is fucking up. Well, but here's the thing that I think is tricky for me. Any Anyone that like, because I'm a little older than you, obviously. So there wasn't. Wait, a, you're like 32. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I ran. I'm like um, 45. But like when my mom was raising us, she was in of the age of Oprah and all that mm-hmm. all, and people starting to talk about their feelings and counseling being more normal part of life and all of that. And so by the time I was having my own kids, I just was like, yes, these are the ways I'm not going to do what my mom did. And then I did what my mom did. Mm. And, and in some ways I did a better job and improved on some of it. And in some ways I just made it just, I, Annie up mm-hmm. <laughs> and so yeah anyway I love my kids a lot and I'm just like well you'll be interesting adults and I'm happy to go to counseling with you anytime you have to tell me listen that's all like that's all we can ask 
Because, like, really, like, that's the ticket. Like, it doesn't, because, like, you know, we look at your life, like, oh, yeah, you had your trauma. You dealt with it as best you could when in the time that you had. Right. And then, you know, whoops, didn't mean to do that. Let's try and, you know, mitigate some stuff. Because, like, I look at my mom. My mom did, like, there are some things looking back on my mom's life. I'm just like, I know that you were doing the best. And it still kind of hurt. And also, you're not the same person you were 12 years ago. Right. Like, so it's like if our that was something I ha- I understood about my mom. And I think that not, you know, not that I know what it's like to be a parent. But like I would imagine if we teach our kids just to be kind and empathetic and that people change and grow over time, that eventually as they grow older. And maybe this is I'm curious to wonder about this, like. As a parent, like, what would it, what will it be like for you to like have to transition from like, yes, I am your mother and you are now an adult and I have to see you as a wholly, fully actualized human. And I need you to see me as a fully actualized human. That's going to be crazy. I feel like every adult needs to have that conversation with their parents. I had to have it with my mom one time. Mm -hmm. She was talking about my clothes. I think I was maybe in my thirties and I was like, Hey, I'm just going to let you know from now on, you don't need to give me any more constructive criticism. Ding, ding, ding. I, I'm going to need, I'm going to need your approval and your support and love, but you're no longer in a position unless I ask for your opinion to insult what I'm wearing or how I look or what my weight is like or any of that. Mm. Actually, my life now is my responsibility. Hello. And also, no longer at a space where I get to blame you for where I'm at. Hello. Because that is the piece of counseling that I I think that some people just get stuck in the past in a way Mm -hmm. as they're reliving their trauma and stuff. There's like a balance between using our past to teach us what we need to do moving forward and like rename things and whatever. But then at some point you, you, you have to take responsibility for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and if you live in, I was just so damn traumatized forever, it'll hinder whatever future you've got. Come and on. Growth you're supposed to have. So there is like the mental illness things of PTSD and trauma responses and being triggered. And there's ways to manage that deep trauma mm-hmm. without it being your crutch for the rest of your life to excuse your yeah. Own behavior. Yeah. And I, it's like, it's like, you know, it's, it's like the uh, you're hurting yourself here. Like that's what I think a lot of our friends right. who are like coming f- like at, from P- like religious per- PTSD places is that thing of like okay now I've named it I'm finally angry enough to deal with it. It's like good, but what do you want to do now? And right. that's it's like do you want to continue to go over the past again and again? Like you can go over it as much as you want. It will not change it. Don't obsess. Right. Don't cling to the past. Like you're trying to click. You. It's like, it's almost like, you know, what do you want to do next? And it's almost just like the body is afraid to dream of anything bigger than what they were traumatized, believe was possible. It, is, well, and it seems to me like it has to move out of the body. Mm-hmm. So for me, that's writing music, doing like the, my whole doing yoga and becoming a yoga teacher, Mm -hmm. like all of those things and recording music, like all of those things allow me to process it through. And it's not like I don't get super sad every time my heart gets broken. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not like I'm not reliving my rejection or, or going to my fears. And, and, and 
and it is never done. Like you still have to keep looking at it. I, I realized literally like two weeks ago, I had listened to Tabitha Brown on Instagram and her. So husband, great. What a woman. So much. And they were talking about like hearing, like hearing directly from God. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, cool. Cause I mean, like that's been part of my life experience and the Holy spirit has visited me and final Shavasana. And that's a mm -hmm. conversation. And then I heard uh, Amanda Gorman, the poet that was at the, uh, the inauguration, mm -hmm. um, speaking to Anderson Cooper about the mantra that she says every time before she performs. And it's deeply powerful. Look it up on YouTube. It's extraordinary. Mm. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I have had a mantra I've said my whole life. Mm. And I have said to myself over and over, I'm not loved specifically in the area of romantic things mm. that's my you know i'm a two on the enneagram so my biggest fear is not being loved right and so i realize how often i say that to myself over and over and over and over i'm mm. like well that doesn't seem like it's going to serve me anymore no so not only the reality that i am deeply loved by my friends by my community by my kids mm -hmm. by the church like i have had love my whole life even though romantically it's been a bit of a shit show. Mm -hmm. And so I have to shift when I want to sink into that childhood message over and over again, I have to shift it to I'm lovable or I'm worthy of love mm -hmm. and just notice it. This is what my friend Jody, Pastor Jody Hoke said. Pastor Jody. So smart. She's like, notice it. Don't condemn it when, you, when it comes up. Mm -hmm. And then she's like, just be like, oh, sweetheart. Here it is again. And she's like, just be so gentle with yourself mm -hmm. and then start saying the new message. But you don't have to judge it. You can just recognize it's there. Notice what's around it and just mm -hmm. treat yourself with gentleness. And I just think that that's, it's revolutionary when you mm -hmm. get these insights and when we're not willing to listen because we're so, so stuck in our own shit mm -hmm. that we can't, we can't recognize and move forward. And if we notice it and then judge the crap out of ourselves for having these thoughts in the first place, again. It keeps you stuck there. We, yeah, right. And that's the whole, that's that's it. Yeah. Oh, iPhone. Um, the, I was telling somebody else this. I said like, you're, uh, you just obsessing over the fact that you feel stuck is the thing keeping you stuck. It's just like, I feel so stuck. I feel so stuck. I'm just like, it's like I, when I'm working with other humans and I'm coaching them, they're just like, well, I want to be able to hear, you know, the Holy Spirit. I want to be able to hear my own voice, my inner my intuition or my guides or whatever. It's like, well, how do I do that? I'm just like, well, start by noticing what's going on every moment in your head. Is it filled like all these thoughts running around here? Like, do you notice how much shit you talk to yourself? Right. And like, if you can catch yourself, if you can say, oh, but like what you just described about deep, like I tell myself, Kevin, you gotta be real sweet to yourself. Like gushy, mushy, ushy, gross levels of yeah. sweetness to yourself. Yeah. Because guess what? That's what you fucking need. So stop yeah. feeling like you're a baby. Stop, guess what? You are a baby. You are a, you are a child. Yeah, yeah. And you just happen to grow into a six foot person with a beard. Yes. <laughs> I'm obsessed with you as a six foot person with a beard. Mm. But that's oh, the, that is, yeah, that is right. And in the game of self love and like, like that, it's just so fascinating because there's things that 
for lack of a better word, millennials and such mm. practice in life where I just think that's got to be hard. I, I've been thinking about the fact that so many millennials recognize what good living is and mm -hmm. their desire to live with purpose and their intention to do the thing they were created to do. Mm -hmm. But that's so much damn pressure. Right. So much of that takes so long to figure out. And some and people's gifts are deeply obvious and some people's aren't. And like, so I, there's ways that I'm like, you're so lucky because you've got all of these tools in your tool chest. And then there is this well of self-doubt and not measuring up and comparing yourself to everybody. And I'm like, well, that's just got to feel terrible. <laughs> That's the damn fucking T right there. It's just like, well, I know I want to do this thing. I know that I've got this calling. I want to like, blah, blah, blah. Like, I've got this thing I want to do. It's like, well, why haven't you done it? It's like, well, you know, somebody else is already doing a podcast like that. Well, someone else is already doing Like, this is the thing that just like this week has been on my mind. Um, Grace Baldridge, her album making. Did you see this? I did. And I started listening to it. And then I got distracted. I can't wait to finish listening. Oh, but I started and I'm thrilled tears 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 yeah um but she debuted and took the number one spot from lauren daigle for yes. a couple days i think she's back at number two right now so like i'm on twitter i'm just like no go stream the album now yeah but um it's wildly successful and also relevant magazine wrote up a, uh, an article about her and i'm like they've never mentioned any queer anyone at relevant magazine she's also the first queer person to be mentioned at relevant magazine i think Crazy. like totally wild um but i was thinking about this i'm just like that proves it to me like it's just like i think five years ago i was very convinced that there was a like everything had rules and like i think i was still very much like live, living into an institutional view of like what church and faith and life could was supposed to be right and now like on this other side like where everything is like I feel more loved and more taken care of and more like centered on my people. And I'm, I'm not trying to, I'm no, I'm no longer trying to impress anyone. It's just like my people already love me, you know? And it's also like, like when I you love to impress my people though, let's be honest. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> like, let's be honest. Like, you know, Scorpio baby all the way. I want yeah. to show off how sexy I am. Yes. <laughs> um, but it is like one of those things where it's just like, I, I now understand the like, at least for me, like the, you know, the eights big thing is like, we don't want to be betrayed. Right. Um, and I'm less and less afraid of that now. And I think it's. Right. Cause you're growing up, like, cause we all gr grow up. Mm -hmm. You and just then, learn like, don't trust people who aren't worthy of trust. Right. Real simple. And even sometimes those people fuck up. Yeah. And, how, and then the question is like, well, do I want to like lean in again? Are, have they exhibited, is this a behavior? Learning to love ourselves, what a fucking concept. Well, and it, it really is then, like, not to put too Christian of an angle on it. Put any Christian angle on it that you want. But literally learning to love God's creation. Come on. And and that's the thing. I, I've had lots of conversation around self-love and it, it's like only, well, I'm not gonna say only when, Often when we can really get in touch with who we are mm -hmm. and who God created and stop 
shitting all over the head mm-hmm. and saying it's not right. And God should have made me different. I always, when I was a, a loud, vocal young lady in the very conservative Christian church, mm-hmm. I was just like, if God could have just made me mysterious and demure, I would be a good Christian woman. And God was like, um, I have so many things planned for you. Mm-hmm. you cannot be shy. And so I needed to love who God actually made me to be and stop shitting all over myself of what I should be like and what I should look like and what mm. I should sound like and what I should believe. And when I learned to embrace the, the wholeness of myself, then I actually could make the best record I've ever made in my life. Come on. Like, and it is so fucking good. I love it so much. But even that, that's a whole nother, gosh, we could talk for 17 years. That record, I was just convinced I've been convinced many, many times in my life that this is the ticket. Mm-hmm. This is the thing that's going to take it and take off. I'm positive. I went and auditioned for the first season of The Voice. I knew that was going to be the biggest show on the planet. Mm-hmm. I knew it. And I was like, this is it. This is the exact type of show I should be on. It's perfect. I can't wait to see who all turns around their chair. And I couldn't, I didn't get past like step three of the seven step process. I didn't get past up one. <laughs> Well, I was, yeah. And so, and so this album was the same thing. I was like, this is, this is it. This is going to be the ticket. Cause I've worked harder than I've ever worked in my life. It's more authentic than anything I've ever made. I spent so much money on this record. This is going to be the ticket. I'm going to get it to the people I need to get it to. I talked to some PR people to see if I could do that. And, um, and it just didn't, open the doors I thought it was going to open, but mm-hmm. making that record and spending every single dime on it and the work that it did in me internally mm-hmm. was worth every penny. And it still is really, really great music and it's still being listened to, but like, yeah, we just so often put expectations on the, the thing that it should become and that we should become. And it's just not about that. But when we become ourselves and when we embrace who we actually are, we can finally do the work that we were called to do because we're more comfortable in our body. Everyone pass the plate, pass the plate, <laughs> send in your money. Well, That's Rachel Kurtz. It's a really good record. No, seriously. It's like one of the best records I've ever heard. And it's so, it's so like, honestly, it's pretty sexy. And I have like one of the songs on my makeup playlist. Yeah. So what, uh, it's the it's the dance. This is when we're getting like warmed up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. Oh, my God. That's my favorite. It's so hot. I literally am like, if you ever want to hear what I'm like as a partner, you just listen to that record and you'll hear all of it. Yeah. And if that turns you on, slide into her DMs respectfully. <laughs> You're so cute. You know, I just want to, I just want people to, that's what I want. See, I tell people this all the time. People think I'm joking when I tell them, like, slide into my DMs, shoot your shot with me. Yes. Because like, I am, uh, my heart is an open space right now. And I'm, uh, I'm actually, I, I, uh, I can't, I think I'm hanging out with someone as friends tonight, but also like, it might be a date. I don't know. That is another thing. Again, not to sound like an oldie. No, but like, what is so fun about dating in your 40s is that shit. If I want to ask someone on a date, I say, Hey, I'd like to go on a date with you. Will you go on a date with me? Mm-hmm. 
And of what I always tell my friends that are younger than me, if you want to live that dating life, ask people on dates. Boom. Come to hang out. Nope. Won't see if they want to chill and whatever. Netflix and chill is a whole nother ball game. But I am saying, if you want to go on a date with this handsome gentleman, ask him on a damn date. Mm. Yeah. And it is the boldest thing that people in their 20s and 30s can do because no one speaks directly. Yeah. Because everybody's so scared of. Yeah. And I, I mean, like, I think like. Gift. Yeah. I think for this one, at least I'm okay. I don't think we like, we went on a first date and I think I really liked him as a person, but I think we both kind of were like, yeah, we're both a little too different because like I'm super woo woo. He's, uh, he he works in like medical bioethics or something like that. And is very, uh, but also has a very atheistic worldview and doesn't understand religious affinities. And so I'm not saying it's a barrier, but I am, he had a lot of questions for me. And I was just sitting here like, I think he his experience of quote unquote religious people was that they were very defensive. And I'm sitting here like, I'm, I don't know. No, I'm not. I don't care. Right. Isn't it interesting? I really have a very, I've been a Christian my whole entire life. Mm. And I'm a little bit like, well, we'll see when we die. <laughs> <laughs> like that's, I mean, like, like, I, you could go to hell. I'm like, well, I'm, if, if I'm going to hell for loving too much, no problem. Like, I'll be yeah. like, worth it. <laughs> I literally would be on the other side, like, just, and that's the thing is like, now that I'm not afraid of, <laughs> like, I'm so not afraid of going to hell anymore. Like, like that, I don't even believe in hell as a place, which for some people is still like a shocking thing, but it's like, A, a it doesn't make sense. And if, if you sit, like, if I get sent there, I'm just like, yeah, there, it, I, I, like, I can't even make there's no sense to it like i can't even like put it in my body anymore i'm like this is the most ridiculous thing i've ever heard that's where i am at god is actually love like Mm -hmm. actually love itself the thing that is running the whole thing that's not what i was looking for itself if god is love itself how does hell make Mm -hmm. any sense at all yeah, and then there's. Uh, do you know the story of Yogananda? And he was the Yogananda was of this yogi, like in like the 60s or 70s, I think. But like, he was dealing with an irate man who was insisting that there was hell, and God definitely sent people there. Right. And he asked this man, he's like, "Well, do you have a child?" And he's like, "Well, I've got a son." He's like, "Well, do you, does your son do anything that like piss like you know dishonors you?" And he yeah. said, "Well, sometimes he comes home drunk and he makes a mess in our home." He's like, "Well, next time your son does that, I want you to." tie him up. I want you to turn on your oven to the highest setting. I want you to put your your son's head in there until he swears that he'll never do it again and hold him there until he really, really, really pays for his sin. He said, well, why would I do that? I love my son. And Yogananda said, and how much more joyful is your father in heaven unwilling to stand for your suffering in this life or the next? Mm-hmm. Even on the basic of just like, if God is a good, good father at minimum, God's not beating his children or like burning them forever. It's a long time. Totally. I, I, um, (laughs) I was so shocked. One time I was in yoga and I like used to have visions at the end of every class until I learned to be a yoga teacher. And then all that beautiful insight and inspiration went away. And and that's a whole story, but it'll come Mm. back. I just have to get my ego out of the way of one teacher. 
But anyway, I was in this yoga class and it was like the first class I'd been to where I really, really couldn't connect with my breath. I couldn't get Hmm. present. I wasn't present in my body. I just couldn't get to class in any way. And I usually like, I've had lazy, lazy classes, but I'd never had a class where I could not get my breath to focus myself. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, I'm certainly not going to see the Holy Spirit today because she knows that I haven't been here. Mm. And sure enough, she shows up. Mm. She comes oh, she and do. my forehead and crossed my forehead. And I was like, oh, that's like the, that's where your third eye is. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And, and Jewish people talk about the forehead. And she's like, yeah, Muslims touch it to the ground five times a day. And mm-hmm. something else. She's like, everyone's got to figure it out that this is a real important spot of the body. Mm-hmm. And she like winked at me. <laughs> that was it. And I was like, what? Like, are you like, it was just this beautiful, like, yep. Mm-hmm. Everyone's got it figured out. All of the religions, sweetie Petey, like mm-hmm. <laughs> not so separate. In that it, and like, that's the thing that like gives me a lot of joy. And here's my hope is like, I would actually not mind dating a man of a different faith tradition, maybe. Yeah. But also, I also think that you're kind of right because you called it a few times. There's going to be some some man out there who loved Jesus a whole lot and probably isn't near as witchy as I am, who just like wants to like make food, have a normal, you know, watch the kids and the dog while I go do my shit. He out right. there. I'm t- I'm 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 FPing it as we say. I feel the potentiality. I'm mm. calling it into the universe for you. That just sounds delish. Yeah. It's something that I find delish too. And I think I, uh, I'm going to do some magic around it this full moon. Because it's the full moon this evening. So full moon in Aquarius. Or not full moon. New moon in Aquarius. So Perfect. If y'all are looking for a timestamp of when this one, it was a full moon in Aquarius when we recorded. No, a new moon in Aquarius when we recorded. <laughs> See that Mercury retrograde fucking me up with my communication oh, skills. See, oh my god, astrology is real, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay. listening to this book and thinking about you because I'm listening to this. He's talking about his uh, his whole journey with uh, tarot reading, and I kept wanting to talk to you about it. And I wondered if you knew about this book, and I'm going to find the title of it right now. It's Please do. just been great. It's such a good book. I'm listening to two very gay books right now, actually. Listen, well, queer we... books, I should say. One of the books I'm listening to is called This Is How It Always Is. And it's a, a family's journey with their trans daughter. Mm-hmm. And like, it's just so well written. And their questions are good. And the story is beautiful. And now I've got to find the other book. It's got a red cover. Sorry. You're have perfectly you fine. Books lately? The yes, the books that I have been reading uh, and listening to as of late have been um, um, so, uh, mountain. It's a lot of like magic or magical practice books and witchcraft books. So it's been Southern Conjure by Orion. Um, his name is Orion Foxwood. I'm just like, what a very fairy name. I love it. <laughs> um, I have been reading magical mediumship. Um, I have been listening to being Ram Das and Ram Das was so fucking bisexual. Really? He was the most queer bi guy out there. And they never talked about it a whole lot. 
and that part in his book? Yes, he talks about the people he had sex with. He talks about the drugs. He talks about the shared consciousness between people. He just talked about being beyond gender and wanting to be an all-encompassing of gender and sexual. It was like, at one point in his career, he had a girlfriend on one time and a boyfriend on the other side of town. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so, like, now I'm just like, oh, my gosh, now I get you even more. Right. And, so like, and, and that for me is like, well, no wonder you were able to get the insights you did because you will, you were already dipping in this two energy, like this two energies of like, you know, masculine and feminine. I I am just, yeah, I, I, I would be intrigued because anything I've ever re- read from Ram Dass, I'm like, oh, I love that. Yeah. Uh, it's his posthumous book. So it's like the... It was the book he was writing as he was dying. And it was just, it's really autobiographical. And it also kind of walks you through like his journey into like how he became Ram Dass, how he brought it back to the US, like how his teacher taught him. So cool. And also so beautiful to see him like, oh my God, this man was like a spiritual teacher for like a generation. And like, he also had the same exact problems at home that I do with my family. It's like what a normal human. I love that. And 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 normally famous and incredible people are all actually just human beings. Uh, what I, you know, not me though. As an incredibly right. famous woman, I am <laughs> I'm perfect. My family is great. I've never had any problems. Just kidding. Okay. So this book I'm reading is the other book I'm reading is How to Write an Autobiographical Novel by Alexander Chi. That sounds like fun. And he is a Korean American and it, oh, it's so good. Are you going to write an autobiographical novel? Here's my problem. Hmm. Well, it's not, that's just what the book's called. It's it's just his story. It's not actually, like, it's a book of ex- essays of his. Oh, nice. Okay. It's not actually a, a how-to guide. Oh, well, that's boring. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but that's false I, advertisement. I'm going to write in my life. And I, I, I have had a very interesting life, but I can't imagine writing a memoir. A, because I've forgotten too many of the good stories. Hmm. And I don't, yeah, it's a little too, yeah, no, I don't think I ever will. But I do have a collection of short stories that I would love to continue to write. And hmm. I have a couple short stories in children's. I have like an idea, like a collection of children's stories that I want to write. One of them is already in Bath Theology Kills. Um, but I want to actually, there's a, let me, we can talk about that later. We're running out of time because I have to get on to my next things because I'm a working woman as our human. Wow, incredible. How did that go so fast? I'm so, wow. Listen, time flies when you're having like just poetry flow it out of your mouth. <laughs> um, tell humans on the internet where they can connect with you, your work, your music, etc. cetera. Um, I'm on all the streaming platforms and I have so many CDs in my basement. So this is what I will say to all you lovely people is that if you love an independent artist and you will never buy a CD, totally fine by me. Go ahead and listen on Spotify, listen on Apple Music or Tidal or all the things and then send them a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. Because I spent $17,000 on a record and typically, and some of that I fundraised Mm-hmm. But typically I would make that back in CD sales within the first year. And obviously CD sales are out the window on Spotify. I literally get a portion of a cent 
for every stream. A portion of a cent? A portion of a cent. So to make any money, how many times do you, like, is your book up to stream? It would just be so many times. And I'm going to do the math when I release these next two songs, because I'm only going to release them streaming. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm going to do the math for people. But I'm just saying very seriously, that's why artists have merch. That That is, you. if you love an independent artist, please just send them $5. Mm-hmm. Because that makes all of the difference. Yes, you're you're paying for your art. Right, right, right. That's but real, and that's like people just have no clue. And I think streaming is convenient as hell. I love Spotify. I listen to it. I make mm -hmm. playlists. I use it for yoga, whatever. But and also, yeah, I go also and support my artists directly. So I'm on Instagram at I am Rachel Kurtz. I'm on all the streaming things. Put your cash out. Um, I don't have cash up, but my Venmo is I am Rachel Kurtz. Perfect. Everybody, most people got Venmo. And I think that's so true. And I think this is something that I want to get in the habit of doing more is like when people are blessing me is send them some money. Like I, um, is that yes. so? So that's Unabashedly. So I, I, that's the only reason I've ever, that I've made it through this quarantine that is the only way I've made it through is that that people have just periodically been like, yeah, I see yeah. that you're a single parent with three kids. I, I appreciate you and your family. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be any any little thing helps. And so I then share it with all like I when I'm blessed, I bless. And so not to mm -hmm. be, but like, no, but that really is the T is like it is. I think it's a I mean, I don't want to call millennials out for this, but this is a practice that like Tithing, tithing has just changed. Like we, we were taught the tithe from the ass because like the tithe was meant to take care of the temple priest because that was all he did. He took care of the community. He prayed for things. Right. He presided over things. He made sure the town was holy and shit. And right. so now for our artists and our digital pastors and people doing labor out here, we don't have those same kinds. Like, you know, it, tithing has changed. The community money, the community's out here now. So yeah. really we need to start thinking about ourselves like a mantra I have is I live within my means and I am generous with what I have. Yeah. And so it's like, yeah. I don't think twice yeah. about living. And let me tell you what I want for nothing. And I give often. That is the truth. Like I more often than not, you will catch me like, Oh, you got to go fund me. I'll give what I can. Yeah. yeah and if you yeah. can't your yeah. little, your little retweet is enough. It is. Your, your little share, your little, hey, I can't give right now, but does anyone like send it to five of your friends? You know someone out there has it. And this is how we take care of each other. Seriously. And I was singing for our friend Nadia during Advent, and I had $100 in my account. I was like, well, I guess I'm going to have to put Christmas on my credit card. Mm. And like, I was just like, how am I going to pay my mortgage? And then unbeknownst to me, Nadia just said, hey, this is Rachel's situation, and she obviously can't tour right mm -hmm. now as a touring musician. And and that has sustained our family for months. Mm. That one little, hey, this is my friend. And then people just, it just was shocking to me. And it's five and ten dollars and twenty dollar gifts. It's not, I mean, there was still there's you know, bigger. You know, there's some people out there who drop a, a C note and it's no big deal. Right. And we bless them. I mean, yeah. real ass talk. Like, I was able to help single moms that I heard that needed help. 
I was able to tithe to my church. I was able to give to different artists. Like that's the- And pay your bills. Yes. Come on. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. This is something I want to talk about in my community more. It's just like how, like, cause like, this is also why like I love like my Patreon community so much is because like, they understand I am investing in this community and we're investing in this resource so that we can continue to be blessings to more people. So anyways, I'm a hop off the line. I love you. Thank you for taking this time. I adore you to death. That was my conversation with Rachel Kurtz. You can follow Rachel across the internet at I am Rachel Kurtz. And please go to rachelkurtz.com. Go get her album, stream it all the places. It is literally so sexy and so good. You're going to love it. That's Rachel spelled R-A-C-H-E-L Kurtz, K-U-R-T-Z. Um, Rachel, I love you. Thank you so much for coming to hang out with me. I can't wait to do this again. All right, let's roll some credits. The Tiny Revolution is supported by all of the dope humans over on Patreon, which is the community that I help uh, curate and make content with and for, where we're exploring, deconstructing our faith, spirituality outside of strict Christianity. Um, And it's so fucking fun. And um, as the summer approaches, I am actually planning on going on a huge road trip and possibly creating live events in the cities that I go to. I don't know, but everyone, all of my Patreon community, you guys are going to be the first people to know about that and the first people to um, have ticket availabilities. I'm looking at how we can do it safely, especially as COVID vaccines get further out there. But I'm just so sick of being at home and I have to come see my friends. So please go over to patreon.com slash the Kevin Garcia, become a part of the community and you'll be the first to know about all this stuff. And if you don't want to do that, you can always sign up for my newsletter or just follow me on social media. Um, Another way to support me is to rate the show. Leave us five stars in the Apple Podcast Store and share it. Share this conversation with someone you know needs to hear it because that's how we increase that. Also, please go follow Irreverent Media, um, which is uh, the the collective that I am a part of. We're at irreverent underscore FM across social media, and you can find all of our shows, including the Dirty Rotten Church Kids, my other podcast called Your Favorite Ants, Sarah Heath's show called... Uh, making spaces with her and Josie Jimenez. There's just so much going on over there. So please go check that out. And um, that's it for me. Until next time, please take your medication, call your person, move your body in a way that feels good, eat something delicious. And uh, until next time, this is another episode of A Tiny Revolution. I'm Kevin, and I love you. Bye, baby. Bye, baby.